from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's Eve. Let's talk some money in politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore from FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity and the book Godzilla. Uh, welcome, kids. Thank you for doing this. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's Eve. Larry? Good. Steve there? Do we have Steve? Steve Moore. Steve Moore. All right. We'll try to find Steve Moore. Um, Liz Pete, my first question is. Uh, I'm here. Ah, uh, there you go. Happy New Year. Good. Stay with us. <laughs> Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hang on for a while. Uh, kids, Hello. I want to start with a simple question. Who is the person of the year? Liz Peek, you first. <laughs> okay, well, I have to say Ron DeSantis. Uh, certainly, if you're a Republican, he's the person of the year because he has put forward uh, an amazing political record in a pretty short period of time, has kind of zoomed up in terms of popularity and people knowing about Ron DeSantis. He's managed his state brilliantly. You know, at, at the end of the day, there is a thing called accountability. And if you uh, run a state which is ranking number one in all kinds of positive categories like in migration and best state for businesses and best taxation and all the rest – uh, you know, you got to really applaud this guy, and I do. I think he's doing a wonderful job, um, and I think he is also doing something the Republican Party needs desperately, which is to put forward a possible 24 candidate who embraces the policies we all liked that Donald Trump delivered, but that Donald Trump may not be the best person uh, to to run on uh, because he may not win the next election. And I think boy, oh, boy, do we not need to start winning some elections. So he's my candidate. By the way, Liz, um, running at the top of uh, the Fox Business uh, website, uh, they rank Forbes magazine ranks Tampa as the best city in Florida. Tampa. <laughs> That's interesting. Thought I'd put that one in. Thank heavens it wasn't Palm Beach. Um, Steve Moore, person of the year. Well, I was going to say Larry Kudlow for being number one business show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I, I, Thank but I, you. Somebody just eked you out. You know who that is? Aaron, Aaron Judge. Oh, oh Aaron Judge. Run. Come on. Come on. So I know this isn't a sports show, but that's a pretty amazing feat. Um, if I can't go with the sports figure, and if I can't go with you, I would probably have to say Elon Musk. I know. I think he was Time Magazine Man of the Year last year. But, my God, what he's done this year has been pretty amazing as well. And, you know, and really exposing what's going on with our government, which is really scary. Elon Musk is my choice. He's my choice. Yeah. Guy spent $44 billion for free speech and uh, opened up the thicket of what the FBI was doing with misinformation and collusion and maybe the CIA. God knows where this story is going to lead, but I got to give yeah. it to Elon Musk. I mean, the guy's just incredible. But my second question is, who's the dummy of the year, Liz Peek? The absolute <laughs> dummy of the year. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I, I've one. got a piece, Five Biggest Winners and Losers uh, on Fox today. And I have to say, Tom Brady was in, you know, the top category as loser. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's not a sports show, but you got to say, here is the greatest of all time who has hung around too long, who did this sort of in and out of whether, 
you know, very uh, Shakespearean drama about retirement, no drama, uh, not retiring, uh, loses his wife. I mean, the whole thing, I think, is kind of minor league tragic. Uh, And by the way, the Buccaneers may make the playoffs only because they're uh, part of the draw is so terrible. But, you know, they haven't even had a winning record. Imagine this. First time in 22 seasons, uh, Tom Brady may have a losing record. So, I feel sorry for him, honestly, but but he's kind of brought this on himself, and I feel bad about that. And by the way, of course, I think Joe Biden is the biggest dummy of the year, <laughs> but um, I'm trying to be a little more creative than that, a little more original. Steve Moore, dummy of the year. So I've got co-dummies of the year. I'm going to have to go with Gavin Newsom for telling everyone they have to drive <laughs> electric vehicles and then saying, oops, we don't have the charging stations. We don't have enough electricity yeah. for electric vehicles. That was pretty dopey. Uh, and then, you know, you got to go with Pete Butashek. I mean, the guy was in charge of the supply chain problem, and all we've had all this year is supply chain problems. <laughs> and it's amazing that those are the two front runners for the Democratic nomination for 2024. What a sorry party. Jeez, Buttigieg. Wait, wait a minute, Steve. You forgot Kamala Harris. I mean, you got to put her right up there with Pete Buttigieg, right? The two most likely successors to Joe Biden, should he choose not to run, Pete Buttigieg, who can't drive a car, and Kamala Harris, who honestly has done what? I mean, the border is her, the border's her baby. It's a headline every day. Nothing is being done. It's, I mean, it's pretty a staggering thing, Wait, right? She whines, she, and she, she whines about her portfolio. Has she huh? actually been to the border yet? No. No, because she hasn't been to Europe. Oh, wait, she did go to Europe. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Buttigieg has just done a great job with the uh, airline problem with Southwest <laughs> Airlines. He's just all over it, right? By the way, Liz. my luggage for me. As a side effect, when when is the board of Southwest going to fire the CEO? Well, I I mean, mean, you you know, I think this is a disaster that has been in the making and unfolding for months, if not years. And look, I I think this is a perfect example, and I'm sure it'll be a Harvard Business School case study of short-term gains at the expense of long-term survivability. And it really is a a case study of that, right? You kind of, you know, I I think also you cut back on technology, you cut back on investment, it boosts your bottom line for a while, and then you get completely hammered. Um, But I think, Larry, honestly, it raises the visibility of technology investment generally by businesses because uh, I've seen, and I'm party to aware, aware of, let's say, what banks spend and financial mm-hmm. institutions spend on on tech, mm-hmm. it is staggering, staggering mm-hmm. uh, billions of dollars. And so are airlines and so are, by the way, uh, you know, communications companies and so forth. Tech is huge and it may be out of fashion right now to invest in it. Stocks may be getting clobbered, but boy, it is it is the grease that makes the wheels turn at this point. And you see a company like Southwest, which is underinvested in it just completely go down the tubes and that's what happened by the way jeff peak should be the banker of the year how about that <laughs> he is a good banker tell, tell jeff peak he's the banker of the year but excluding joe biden and i admit Buttigieg is close but i gotta say john Kerry is the dummy of the year <laughs> john Kerry is it could be the stupidest man in washington the whole global warming mm-hmm. green new deal thing is so utterly disastrously catastrophic you know, he's he's pushing this, I don't know, behind the scenes. He's the front guy. 
but what he's done, and I mean, you know, Steve, the, the catastrophe here is what they've done to fossil fuels or what they're trying to do to fossil fuels, what the impact has been on inflation and the middle class and the overall economy. I got to give John Kerry a lot of credit, honestly, the dummy of the year. Yeah, the only thing I would quibble with is that this really is is a religious movement that has really taken over the entire Democratic Party. I mean, yeah. I'm just shocked week after week after this complete calamity of these climate change policies, which are destroying our energy, destroying you know so many of our vital industries. And nobody on the Democratic Party will speak out at the tomfoolery of this. I mean, the idea that somehow we're going to rescue the planet with windmills is really one of the stupidest ideas in history. <laughs> And yet it's captured the entire – look, maybe global warming is happening. Maybe climate change is happening. But I guarantee you windmills and solar power are not going to change, save the right. that. By the way, the, this issue um, that came up when, when you talked about maybe inventions of the year is this idea of this new fusion technology, which is still yeah. several decades away. But that could, that could cha- be a total game changer in terms of cheap and abundant energy. And by the way, the left up, left – was skeptical of this and saying, well, we don't really need it because we have windmills and we have solar panels. Why do we need that? Well, fusion's been a couple of decades away for 60 years. Yeah, well, that's okay. true. But you know, it's coming. So true. Actually, my my second one would be Jennifer Granholm. Yeah. Yeah, what an idiot. Same thing. My third one would be that, what's her name, Deb Halla? What's her name, the Interior Secretary? She's the one yeah. stopping all the permits. Actually, if I had a list of the cabinet here, I'd just go down their list. <laughs> a cabinet review in 22 would be a pretty disheartening undertaking, I really, think. Really think of it. Is anybody? Yeah. I mean, Maybe... think. Or let's start with Janet Yellen, who completely oh, missed the whole yeah. problem with inflation and, and basically torpedoed a pretty good academic reputation by becoming a political hack. Uh, who knows better? I mean, political hacks are all over the place. John Kerry, to your point, you forgot all about the fact that he's still enamored of Iran and a deal with Iran, even as Iranian drones are causing more mischief and mayhem in the world than probably any other single output. I mean, John Kerry really is just sort of, as you say, a dummy. Um, Janet Yellen presumably is not, and yet she has been, I think, an unforgivably bad uh, Treasury Secretary. By the way, don't forget John Kerry pushing a global warming deal with, hold your breath, China. (laughs) Right, exactly. They're all in on this. Right. All in. Absolutely. China is going to be a party to global warming and meet (laughs) coal plant building, notwithstanding. No, I mean, the cabinet, maybe Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, is the least bad in that game. I don't know. I mean, let's check out his role in Afghanistan. I mean, what other big event have we seen from uh, the from the Pentagon? That that's the, I think one of the biggest warts on this uh, administration to date, it, an unforgivably badly executed and planned withdrawal that led many people dead, including thousands of Afghans, and by the way, turned the country over the Taliban with basically no strings attached, and now mm-hmm. we see the devolution of that sad country into a absolutely horrifying situation again. Yeah, yeah that's a good. Those are all good points. Yeah. 
He's got to be. By the way, I want to add, can I have one more dummy of the year? Because we can. If we need to maintain our, our bipartisanship here. Uh, the 23 senators in the Republican Party who voted for the omnibus spending yeah. bill, which was a, it's, yeah. it's an economic and even bigger political catastrophe for the Republican Party. I can't tell you, Larry, how absolutely insanely angry the the conservatives are the republican donors are they have really stepped in it on this one it's going to take a long time for people to forgive them steve is kevin going to make it on tuesday boy (laughs) yeah might have to list that one i mean i think it's very dicey there's a lot of scuttlebutt now right right now about maybe scalise taking it so yeah yeah i'd still put it 60 percent that he's going to make it but it he still doesn't have the votes. I had French Hill on earlier in the show. Apparently this morning, one of the Freedom Caucus people came out and endorsed Kevin McCarthy. Who? I can't remember. A senior guy, though, a big deal guy. Uh, I mean, French is a big McCarthy supporter. I'm a big right. McCarthy supporter for that matter. But he apparently got, um, he got uh, the support. And he's also the idea that you're going to vacate the chair which That's is really a terrible a, idea. A terrible terrible idea. idea. Um, they Kevin may give a little bit on that. He might give a little bit on that. I don't know. Anyway, all right, this is a good start. We're going to take a quick break, folks. We are talking to Liz Peak and Steve Moore. Happy New Year. I'll be right back. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking New Year's Eve. With Liz Peak, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore of Freedom Works and Committee to Unleash Prosperity and Heritage Foundation, and his uh, recent book, Godzilla. Uh Steve Moore, you got some beauties here um, in terms of your list of worst policy things this year. Congress mm-hmm. approves funding for 87,000 new IRS agents. Now, question is, I was talking to... Um, uh, Jason Smith about this. Uh, I guess he'll be chairman of the budget committee or ways and means something. Um, the trouble is they can't, they want to repeal it. It's going to be their number one thing, I think, but they really can't until the new fiscal year. I mean, we're right. stuck with this, right? I mean, you can't get rid of it. Uh, it's, it's done from the omnibus bill. Yeah, I mean it's it, that's that's one of the re- one of the many reasons that omnibus bill was catastrophic. Although they can look, th- th- that's only a one year funding. So the IRS gets its big funding for 2023 fiscal 2023, which we're in right now. But they can um, stop it from happening in the future years, and that does have to be a very very top priority. I mean we can we just can't allow that to happen. I mean we're, they're now investigating uh, transactions as little as six hundred dollars. You know they want the IRS wants to know all about you. And so um, look if they don't get rid of eighty seven thousand IRS agents, I'm going to burn my RNC card and never. <laughs> never, never <laughs> I mean it, it have to. It has to happen. <laughs> Liz, <laughs> burn your RNC card. You should have burned it anyway. <laughs> and um, uh, Liz, Steve's got another one. Biden begs Saudi Arabia and OPEC to increase oil production, but won't allow more drilling here at home. Now, obliquely, we talked about this vis-a-vis uh, John Kerry. But really, the whole story, it seems to me, about stopping out oil and gas production no permits, no pipelining, no refineries, uh, blaming the oil companies, 
threatening a windfall. I mean, that's a package of policies that is the worst thing I've seen in a, I, probably it may be the single worst thing I've seen since the 1970s. Yeah, I think what's so disturbing about this is we are already seeing in Europe and in California and probably increasingly in New England the impact of these restrictions on domestic oil and gas production here at home. When I say Europe, they in, they basically embraced a Green New Policy type of arrangement about 10 or 15 years ago, and it has really been a damaging thing for the economies of Germany and other uh, particularly other manufacturing countries where they really need power. But what What's so disturbing, Larry, I think about this all the time because unless – there have been many things written by myself, by you guys, about these policies being wrong and why they're wrong in great detail, why we don't yet have the capability of fast-tracking to uh, mm-hmm. renewable fuels, why there are not enough renewables, there are not enough grid changes, there are all these things. But But the truth is unless – more honest people in the media and in politics really pick up this theme nobody's going to know if you're ele- nobody's going to know how damaging it is if your electricity bill goes up in Massachusetts 30% your legislators are going to have a lie to tell you about why that's happening look at California there are all kinds of reasons they give for having the highest electricity costs in the country but they never mention the fact that it's really their big push for electrification that's causing that. So it's very, I mean, it's very depressing to me that I don't know how you get the word out because as honestly, Steve's right. It is a cult. It is a religion. You know, when people are talked about being climate deniers, that really tells you how cultish it has become. It's cultish now. It's a denier to say, well, what we do doesn't matter. Joe Biden actually inadvertently said that by mistake early in his tenure. It won't matter what we do. And he's right, because China and India and other countries are basically bringing on so much dirty fuel every year that what we do is absolutely a drop in the bucket. And yet they're willing to torch our economy. And they are doing that in order to achieve almost nothing in the way of change. So how can you really break through such massive misinformation, disinformation. You guys talked about Elon Musk lately. I got to tell you, he is the person of the year. It's true, because the only chink in this solid war of disinformation is Twitter now. Mm. And, you know, Mm. please, God, let other chinks appear, whether it's someone buying The New York Times or whatever, because until that happens, I don't know how you really get to these politicians making these terrible mistakes. You know, Steve, a point that Liz made, which has been made by Steve Coonan, who was the former top uh, energy department scientist, and um, Bjorn Lomborg. I mean, those guys know a lot about this stuff. But one of the points here is the Biden's hypocrisy. They've never shown us an alternative structure. In other words, how are windmills and solar and renewables going to take over? What's the blueprint? Mm-hmm. What's the cost? Where are the resources? How long might this take? Never, ever have they shown us an alternative structure or blueprint that would replace fossil fuels. I mean, to me, that is the worst. You know, if you disagree with a policy, you have a 
another policy, but you have to flesh <laughs> out the second policy so you might persuade people. They've not done any of that kind of work. So I'll give you two numbers, 70% and 7%. Do you know what those numbers are, Larry? No, 7% 70, inflation? 70, no, 70% is how much energy we get, how much of our energy comes from fossil fuels. Oh, yes, <laughs> and yes. And 7% is how much we get from wind and solar power. So, you know, wind and solar are fringe for forms of energy. They're not scalable to provide more than 25%. Well, maybe we could get up to 20%, maybe. I mean, that would be a stretch. But, Larry, where are we going to get the other 80% from? I mean, come on. Let's be adults here. You can't. It's just not scalable. And if you did, you'd have to pave over, like, four areas the, big, the size of North Dakota in windmills and solar. It's not even green. It's the industrialization of the entire landscape. And that's why you're seeing, even in places like Massachusetts and California that are as green as you can get, there's a not-in-my-backyard uh, movement mm-hmm. going on that is completely um, blocking the building of these kinds of things because people don't want windmills in their backyard, you know. And so uh, it is it is not feasible that, that that we could actually get our energy enough energy from those two sources. Why are they against nuclear power, Larry? I mean, yeah. if you want if you want an energy source that produces no no um, greenhouse gas emissions. It would be nuclear power. Why are they against natural gas? Natural gas has been the single biggest uh, contributor to the reduction in our pollution levels over the last 25 years, and they're against it. You know, Liz, these wind farms, people don't understand wind farms, how vast they are, how destructive they are to the environment, how costly they are. And by the way, how much carbon will go into creating a wind farm? I mean, they're just yeah. not honest about this stuff. Now, I've, I've seen them. I'm sure you've seen them in Southern California. There are areas, vast stretches of mountains and so forth, covered with these gigantic edifices. Uh, and that's what they are. And, yeah, what they're talking, you know, there's great resistance to putting them in the Cape Cod uh, Sound, the Bay Area, because they are unsightly. But also they kill gazillions of birds. That's not a myth. That is absolutely true. And here we all do handsprings uh, in those coastal regions to protect one plover that's laying eggs, and yet they're willing to sacrifice hundreds of thousands of winged birds. It's pretty amazing, really. Happy New Year, Liz P. Happy New Year, Steve. Happy New Year, Larry. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks, everybody.